Hello and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 20, which is titled Fevers of Unknown Origin. The episode aired on May 2nd, 1996. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? Well, Sean Penn and Robin Wright tie the knot. The couple have two children together and would file for divorce twice before the third time finally stuck in 2010. And fun fact on that, Sean Penn is now Vincent D'Onofrio's son-in-law after uh, two day- three days ago, as of this recording, marrying D'Onofrio's 28-year-old daughter. And Penn is only two years younger than D'Onofrio, who is 61. And who is Vincent D'Onofrio, for those who do not know? Uh, Kingpin and Daredevil. And which is... also Edgar in Men in Black. Is that a fun fact, though? I don't... It's like, not really. Is that it's fun? More... Hollywood's more creepy. Kind of gross. Hollywood's creepy. Sean Penn's creepy. People yeah. like Robin Wright, though. So that's why I put this on here. I do adore Robin Wright. And she's not with Sean Penn, so good for her. Exactly. Um, The Chicago Bulls complete a three-game sweep of the Miami Heat in the opening round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Whoop, whoop. And Doug and his father are not at those games. The Quest, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, debuts and narrowly beats out the truth about cats and dogs for the number one spot at the box office. It was like a $100,000 difference between the two. It was fun. Wow. And Because You Love Me by Celine Dion hangs on for one final week atop the music charts. Ooh, one f- it's rare that we get a glimpse into like, ooh, this is the last week. <laughs> Lizzie gave us some hope on those the, notes today. The anticipation is killing me. Uh, this week we've got 34.3 million viewers tuning in. This week's episode is directed by Richard Thorpe, who previously directed The Right Thing from earlier this season. Uh, this week's episode is written by Carol Flint, who also wrote Baby Shower, A Miracle Happens Here, and What Life from earlier this season. Awesome. And we open up with uh, Shep Riley and Carol doing another ride-along. Uh, they're on a quick call to a blown water heater. And that's about all we get out of that. Um, and then we, after that, uh, we have Doug answering the phone in his dad's room. In bed. And with his dad's woman all over him. And gratuitous side boob abound. <laughs> all around. Yeah, that primetime side boob. Exactly. Uh the passes the phone the Doug is for the woman whose name is Karen Hines because she knows the business and no one can get a hold of his of of Ray uh she has no idea where Ray is and knows the guy who called and we miss him up here she says as they're fooling around and there's so much Clooney laugh in this scene it's gratuitous like we think the side boob is a lot the Clooney chuckle is (laughs) everywhere yeah this 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 rubs me the wrong way the two of them I mean clearly they're rubbing each other the right way yeah, but that's not what I just said. I said they're rubbing me the wrong way. That's what matters. My opinion matters more than the two of them. Get with the program. It's weird. Don't like the idea of Doug and his dad being Eskimo brothers? No, not when she's like, oh, you know, your dad's so great, and so are you, and you remind me a lot of him, and just like... Yeah, we're not we're not exclusive. It's... <laughs> to be fair, she is a very attractive woman. She is, but... It's something about the father something. Anyway, so Shep and Co. are on the scene to rescue a little girl who was injured by the blown water heater. She's buried in some rubble in the basement of this building. They They manage to dig her out from underneath it, and the basement is blown to shit. And there's a hole through the roof, which shows just how big the explosion from this water heater was. And Riley's just dropping stuff all over the place. He's having trouble, you know, keeping up with what Shep's asking for. 
And then they finally get the little girl loaded onto the um, backboard and everything, and they're getting her upstairs. And the mom's like, oh, I want to go with you, like, you know, or where are you taking her? Where where should I go? And they're like, oh, we're taking her to county. You can follow along. And Carol kind of says to Shep, like, "There's we can make room in the rig. It's her parents. And Shep's like, I'm not letting these idiots into my rig. Stupid people shouldn't breed. Jesus Christ, Shep, Shep. with the hot takes this episode. He Jeez. is terrible. Yikes. And, like, the parents had mentioned, there had been mention of, like, cases of whiskey and how, you know, oh, you can afford a case of whiskey a week, but not a new water heater. So, clearly, Shep's like, ah, they're filthy alcoholics. They don't deserve to have a kid or come along and be helped. So, Shep is shit. (laughs) Season two in one sentence. Shep is shit. Last season it was Doug, this season it's Shep. There's always one. So then we go over from there back to the ER. We see Susan coming in to work for the day. She passes Mark in the hallway who says, Mark didn't know that she was going to be working today. Um, And she replies that she was called in. She's got a cute little picture of uh, little Susie in her locker. We then cut, first of many times this episode, we flash back to her point of view. Um, We hear her crying it's it's almost like a dream sequence like it's very it's shot sort of dreamy and like we hear her crying and we hear the sound of a baby crying while she's tearing up her apartment you know it looks like she's looking for something or someone we cut back into the locker room area where she um or actually no excuse me we cut back into the uh, elevator where she passes uh, weaver uh and weaver uh, says that she thanks her for coming in says she's only needed for a few hours uh, and she'll be at, she'll be able to go home at four. Uh, but then Susan just kind of thousand yard stare almost replies back that she can do a full twelve. And then we go right from there into the intro. Susan is having a very normal one in this episode. Totally. She is our honorary having a normal one of, of episode twenty. Uh, and then we go in with some banks. Holy, uh, holy shit! Are we already on episode twenty of this yeah, season? Season two, episode twenty of twenty two. Where is time gone? What the fuck? Sorry, go ahead. But yeah, just... no, it's no. 2020 was wild, y'all. But yeah, we go in with some bangs. When's the last time we heard the Twinkles? Um, I, I can look it's it up. probably been it's probably been at least I would say seven or eight episodes because we've only okay. had them. We've only had them, I think, twice this season, maybe three times at the most. We'll so. have to see. We'll have to see what that translates to in season three. All right, uh, but then we have a bunch of like quick hitter stuff when we come out of the intro. Uh, first, we start. So you have Susan and Malik, and it sounds like Susan is kind of overloaded and repeating herself maybe because of those weird flashbacks she's having uh carrie and mark are discussing a meeting that they have with morgan stern later carrie thinks it's about resident of the year and then uh, carter's asking benton if he's needed or if he can do a breast reconstruction with simon since uh it's not something he's done yet is but yeah we swing by and then we also uh swing by one of two scenes in the, uh, with her, two uh, scenes, quote-unquote. Yes, it's it's one of three appearances from her in this episode, and each one of them is shorter than the last. This is probably yeah. the, the most you see Harper in the whole episode. Yeah, but we swing by her, uh, and she's who is apparently switching to an OB rotation in Texas as of Friday, and Carter says, I want to talk to you before you leave, and we leave from there. Yep, I just wanted to note that according to my notes search, it was episode 9 of this season was The Last Twinkles. So 11 episodes. 11 episodes ago. 11 banging episodes. <laughs> Jesus. So, random side note, um, 
Benton and I think Doug are talking and Benton says, oh, Carter's running up to do a reconstruction working on his plastics rotation or something. And somebody goes, ah, plastics, the beautiful people's specialty. I think it's Doug. No, it's it's Benton. He's it's Benton. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's doing his his editorializing thing that he did, like you know the the regular doctors or the the pill pushers and the mm. surgical or uh, plastic is the beautiful people's specialty. And I forget what he said about was was didn't he say some, head shrinkers or something like about psychiatric stuff? Like something he like that. he had some he has yeah. seen this is like a weird like early season tick he has where he has to like editorialize all the different departments. And the knife jockeys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Plastic surgery can be very necessary sometimes. Yes, can be to to people's mental health. So, my yes. mom has had my mom has had plastic surgery after she had breast cancer. So, and it's helped her. It's helped her quality of life greatly. Yeah. No, nobody on this podcast is doubting the importance of plastic surgery. Just want to clear that up. <laughs> yep. But then Benton and Ross are. I don't know why I said Benton and Ross and not. Um, why am I suddenly blanking on Benton's for Peter? Peter and Doug. I was going to say Eric. Peter and Doug are now working on the little girl that was brought in um, by Shep and company. And Benton says, oh, you know, thanks for paging me early. And Doug goes, oh, I'm just protecting myself. Want to make sure you're on board from the very beginning. So, oh, no grudge there, fam. No, everything's fine. fine. We're fine. fine. Great. Yeah. We go from there to uh, Susan's uh, first first patient that we see uh, with her. Uh, it's a blind woman who has a huge uh, gash on her lip uh, after having been mugged. She says it's the third time in two years that this has happened. But she does let them in on the fact that uh, the mugger ended up with the worst of the the exchange here because she hit him square in the balls with her um, cane that she uses and then she actually bit the tip of his pinky off uh, and she says if the police don't end up needing it for evidence i want it for a souvenir and she actually has the pinky like in a bag or like the tip yeah. of it uh, i love so. this woman she's goals. she's pretty good i like her i like her a lot and this this has surprising dividends by the end of the episode so mm-hmm. keep this in mind folks and then I just noted that while they're working on the trauma with the little six-year-old girl, the mystery films are still on the board while they handle Becky, which is the name of our six-year-old patient. And she has a hernia and needs to go up to surgery. And I think this is the last we see of her this episode. Yeah, to my yeah. knowledge. So just getting us into the flow of the episode, not really a through-line patient. And then we go up to the cafeteria. Turns out that meeting that Morgan Stern wanted to have with Carrie and Mark is about next year's chief residence. So let's listen to that. Gosh, thank you. No, sorry to disappoint. Don't they announce that in June? Oh, first of May. Doesn't matter. It was a long shot. No, I called the two of you up to start a conversation about next year's chief resident. Good idea. Hope you don't mind me including Carrie in this conversation. Not at all. She's one of the strongest chiefs we've had in years. You did a fine job for us also, Mark. I thought Carrie and you could make this a mutual decision. Susan Lewis would be my first choice. Before we discuss specific candidates, we had a brainstorm about what qualities we'd see in an ideal chief. Makes sense. The ER chief needs to be focused in crisis. Exactly. A leader in the ER needs to cut to the chase, assume the worst. Right. Don't you think Susan Lewis has that quality? I think Carrie's right. Let's not try to solve this today. Let's just start the ball rolling. Awkward. Doesn't this, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't this sort of contradict what we were told several episodes ago by Weaver herself that 
Susan was their number one obvious choice for chief resident next year because of the quote disappointing group of <laughs> of candidates and that by the end of the episode she like Susan stands up for herself and she's like you're gonna make a great chief and now she's like no well, I don't know like has anything really materially I mean, changed for little Susan? Susie happened I think um, little, I, w- I think little Susie had happened by then I think I th- I, it wasn't I th- that long ago I think more than that, she's been missing more work because of all the court stuff. So maybe that could be influencing part of Carrie's decision. Maybe. Or Carrie's mindset. Yes. Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't. I, I definitely disagree that it's little Susie 100%. It could be the court case thing I might buy. But I don't know. It just seems like a little bit of a, a continuity gap, which we're going to get another one of here in like two seconds in the very next scene. Uh, with Carter hop about to hop into his breast reconstruction procedure when Dr. Hicks shows up and pulls him out just before he can head inside. Um, turns out that he uh, cannot graduate until he sees enough peds patients. Um, so he's going to be stuck working with uh, Doug for the next four weeks to get him caught up. Uh, they found out when the registrar's office pulled his registrar's office pulled his records for him so that he could confirm he's graduating with honors so so much for that plastic selective there carter no beautiful people specialty for you um but i did wonder there's there is a possible like and it could be very much in the like lauren pedantic department but (laughs) there's a possible continuity i definitely perked right up when you said that what's going on there's a possible continuity gap here because if you go way way back if you dial way back to um the season premiere uh, when Carter comes back to the ER and Benton asks him what he did over the summer. He specifically mentions that he did a pediatric rotation at a hospital over the summer, but now he's suddenly deficient in peds and won't be able to graduate if he doesn't do a peds rotation. So <laughs> maybe it wasn't like a long enough one or something. Like I said, maybe two months. It's or po- maybe it's a possible gap in the continuity is all I'm saying. Or maybe he was volunteering like an underserved community, but Could it didn't be. count towards the coursework. Could be, but just thought I would point that out. That... Yep, I got really excited because I thought you were going to confuse his, how he had done his dermatology specialty instead of plastics. Mm. And I was like, oh, no, no, that's wrong. But nope, it was <laughs> not. It's something I don't have an answer to. Damn it, Daniel. Sorry. And uh, Susan's just all about babies this episode. So many babies. Yeah. So we start uh, to start that train roll, and Susan goes into the break room and finds uh, Connie, Randy, Randy uh, and finds Connie, Randy, and Harper all fussing over Connie's new baby. Yay! Hey. And I forgot to look into this, but I forgot to look to see if this was actually Connie's baby. I believe it it's is. been said that this is Connie's baby. Okay. This cool. is actress yes. actress Connie's baby. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Not saying it's not her baby, like, in the canon of the show or something. <laughs> we should also note, confusing, Connie the nurse is played by Connie without an E. Yes. The actress. Yeah. Uh, but this triggers another uh, random weird dream flashback of, the, like, earlier, like, of her running through her apartment to while little Susie is crying. So, but bum, bum. Con- Connie's baby is so cute. Yes, so precious. And Connie's just looking fresh to death. Of course. <laughs> So she she looks way better and way happier now that she's unloaded some of that baby. Hopefully, um, all of that baby. <laughs> I, well, I was in between saying some of that baby weight and that baby, and it just came out some of that baby. We can keep it, but mm. but the next trauma we get was a woman passed out in a crosswalk and is brought in, and um, she wakes up 
and is like, oh, no, not again. We find out her name is Joanne Barros. She's 21 weeks pregnant, and she says, I don't want to lose this baby again. We find out that she lost another baby last year at the six-month mark. Um, she had high blood pressure, and it caused the placenta to tear, and they had to remove the other baby in order for her to survive. And everybody's like, oh, it's got to be preeclampsia. There's high blood pressure. She lost another baby just like this. It's probably preeclampsia. We got to get her up to OB. And Susan says, wait, something doesn't feel right. You had dizziness and high blood pressure in between your pregnancies. Maybe it's not preeclampsia. Let's get an ultrasound and examine everything before we send you up to OB. So Susan does some critical thinking here and goes with her gut. And we're going to see what happens with that in a little bit. Yeah, we actually get immediate resolution on that as uh, Mark and Carrie kind of jump into the trauma oh, yeah. room to uh, to check on how things are going. And, of course, Carrie immediately perks up and is like, why are you doing this ultrasound in here? Haven't, why haven't we already gotten her up to OB? Carrie's pretty convinced that it's preeclampsia, says she needs to be taken up. Mark doesn't really put up a ton of a, f- ton of a fight with that because again of his kind of personal history with preeclampsia not going well um i feel like that's a a little bit of subtle element added into that but susan persists she's like no i have a feeling on this like i'm gonna go with it um and just as they're like about to take like just as about to as carrie is about to like take over and just take the decision out of her hands she manages to find a small mat or i don't even know if you would classify it as a small mass but she finds a mass on the woman's adrenal gland uh that is causing the hypertension uh, and even as they're like rolling her out of the room, like Carrie still is like, yeah, that was a good catch, but they could have easily caught that up in whatever up in OB. And she was like, yeah, well, the last time they aborted her baby. So like even in the face of all that, Susan yeah. still stands up for what she thinks is right. And like, it's just it's really, really strong work from her there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just have to say Sherry Stringfield does some amazing lifting this episode. Like, Mm-hmm. Um, she's definitely not phoning in today's performance. Not that she does a lot, but just like this one, she really brings a lot of depth to Susan and portraying that thousand yard stare and just how done she is with everybody today. Yeah, I feel like she kind of shares the emotional through line in this one with Shep in, a, in his own way. Mm-hmm. Shep for obviously for very different reasons that we will continue to get to a little bit later. Actually, and even though we're actually going to check in with, with him and Carol right now. So they're at the they're at the firehouse and they're going to have a little bit of a talk. Well, I think we've earned ourselves a donut. Anyone else want a Dinkles? They got some inside. Help yourself. Could you bring me back one? Yeah, you bet. He's trying. Now I'm supposed to eat donuts with the guy? It's not his fault Raul died, Chef. It's not your fault either. I know. I know whose fault it is. The fine, upstanding, drugged out, meth-burning citizens we're here to serve. That's who Raul died for. Fucking A, Shep. I also just wanted to get at the audio because I wanted someone on this podcast to say Dinkles. (laughs) I have to say, Dinkles Bakery has some of the best ginger snaps ever. I get them every year from the Chris Kindle market that Chicago does, and they're so good. I just think it's a silly name. I feel like we've gotten their donuts before at a work function, but still, they're 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 a solid Chicago bakery. See, and I was with Lizzie. I didn't even know that it was a real thing. I just thought it was a funny word for a donut. So I, today I learned. It's a real thing. Shep's an asshole. Dinkles is real. Yeah. Two main uh, takeaways from that audio clip. 
Riley's trying his best. He really is. Yeah, why didn't they replace Shep with Riley? I mean, okay, so spoilers. Uh, both of them will be gone in short order. Uh, I think Riley we lose next episode, and Shep we lose beginning of uh, season three premiere. Uh, so we're, we, we are going to get new EMTs next season anyway, but, like, I don't know. Like, I would easily have gotten rid of Shep and kept Riley myself. Well, you're almost there. Like, he's <sighs> he's only really had one good episode like this whole season he's had one he's had a lot of good moments though i've lo- i loved a lot of his moments his overall storyline has been frustrating but and he's an asshole but like he has he has like golden retriever complex where every once in a while you're like oh he's really precious but he peed on my rug eight times and i really can't <laughs> deal with this and the pee was racist and the pee was racist <laughs> you 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 oh. killed lizzie god damn it daniel <laughs> Also, I realized we haven't had any bullshit like beltless motherfuckers in a while, and I miss it. That's true. I mean, we we're much he we fixed a much it. more serious podcast. Yeah, yeah. Mark got Mark got his shit together. <laughs> he heard you back in time and fixed it. That's right. That's just that's just how powerful this podcast is. It also Fear like us. you know as as we go through more of these seasons. I mean, I, I know it's still only one year at a time, but we are every season we're shrinking the gap between present day and what season we're in so like the the fashion stuff is going to get harder and harder to really mock until we get until we get to like peak late 90s trash where we get to like make fun of all the puka shells necklaces and the repeated frosted tips the repeated (laughs) attempts at some 41 the doctor i'm looking at you malucci eventually ray yeah i was gonna say ray that's who i think yeah Oh, we've got so many exciting things to talk with you all about. But for now, let's get back to this. Um, we hear Randy and Lydia gossiping. Well, are we done with that audio clip? Yeah, we're good. Okay. So we hear Randy and Lydia gossiping about Resident of the Year and who it's going to be. And they're like, I don't care. There's going to be a party. That's all that matters to me. So we haven't heard yet. That, And I should also mention, that was something in the audio clip earlier with Carrie and Morgenstern. That's what they were opening with about like, oh, I thought it was decided in May. It's Morgenstern talking about resident of the year, not chief resident at the very beginning. So that's going to be another little through line for this episode is who is going to be the resident of the year and how it's never an ER doctor. And then we find out while they're near the admit desk, we have Randy say, oh, you know, was it Randy or Jerry? There's Randy. Jerry's not around this episode. That's right. I just want Jerry to be around. I know. Randy tells Benton that he got a reply about his letter to the ethics committee. So, hmm... What's gonna happen there? I'll find out a little later. And then Mark sees Loretta coming in and immediately Prince Charming scoops her up and takes her to a room to be examined. And just, I love their friendship so much. Yeah, she's, this is a really good Loretta episode. Even though we don't see much of her. I know, but she's still really good in the, in the limited screen time that she has in this one. Shout out to that, uh, I forget who pointed out that Loretta was not just a one-off yeah character like we thought in the very beginning of the season thank you to the listener who shamed us and reminded (laughs) us that loretta is amazing and she has like a nine or ten episode arc yeah you keep us honest listeners please continue to do that yes we are we are huge fans of the show obviously but we do not remember every single little detail we are relearning as we go along (laughs) and then we go over uh carter's talking to doug about the peds uh what are we calling this rotation assistance yeah Yeah. It's like a the mini rotation. Situation. Yeah. Uh, Doug and Halle are watching soap operas, so Doug's just kind of ignoring Carter for a little bit, and 
Carter eventually sits down on the couch and <laughs> and of course the soap opera is like the most over the top ridiculous they're asking like the most over the top ridiculous questions like in Doug because they're like oh yeah what happened to that guy's brain tumor tumor oh yeah he got struck by lightning and it was cured or and something. he's <laughs> and he's gonna drug her and I think Lily's in there too with them mm-hmm. yeah she is yep. yeah eating popcorn yeah Doug Halay and Doug Halay Lily and Carter yep and <laughs> then. I'm here for it. Yeah, I want more of this. Like, I want a mini series of Doug and the nurses watching soaps and commenting on them. And that Doug is the expert. Like, yep. it, like Halay <laughs> seems to know a lot, but Doug seems to know more. And, like, Lily is just sort of, like, shocked. It's like, she's like, no, really? Doug's like, yeah. Like, I just, I love that. And I love how into it Carter gets by the end. Like, Carter at first is like, can I go now? Like, I don't have anything to do. And then by the end of it, he's sitting there, like, fully intently like, watching oh cool yeah i also okay, like doug's i also like doug's attitude where he's like just show up and like make sure that i get to go home on time and you'll get an a like yeah. doug, he's like i know you know your stuff don't be an idiot right doug just is running all your patience by me he's the perfect uh like second semester of senior year professor like he's the the one you want when you're right about to graduate just don't That's- don't annoy me and you'll be fine I'll be honest, that's how my um, accounting two professor was because I tutored in his department so he knew I knew what I was doing. <laughs> and for the most part, he would just leave me in my little corner to do what I wanted as long as I occasionally helped other students and didn't mouth off too much because mm. I would sass him a lot when he'd mess up on the board. Those those but, teachers yeah. were the best. Yeah, perfect second semester teacher. Shout out to him. I doubt he listens to this podcast, <laughs> but he was amazing. And I loved my tutoring position huge accounting nerd over here so we go from there uh we see susan's next patient uh she's working on an elderly well i I say elderly he's not like frail or anything but he's an older gentleman who's got some heart issues uh mr delanova who is played by an actor named al ruscio or ruscio i'm not sure if i'm which one which pronunciation is right but he is a super prolific kind of oh hey it's that guy i definitely recognized his face right away primarily from x files surprise surprise um but he had 191 credits dating back to 1958 so yeah this guy is probably the most prolific actor i would say in the whole episode like he's been in more things for longer than just about anybody um he also appeared in godfather 3 uh so can't win them all uh, but he did pass <laughs> away in 2013 unfortunately uh, but it's another patient uh, where uh, Susan is surrounded by patients with children now this guy doesn't have children but he or he does have a child but not like a child age child his daughter is there mm-hmm. with him um, but she's an adult but she has brought her two children in with her who are just tearing shit up in the trauma room like dropping things off the carts and just causing mayhem she figures out that uh, Mr. Delanova has overdosed on his medication Carrie is kind of supervising and is just impressed with Susan's ability to diagnose that very quickly and just 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 overall been very impressed with Susan's performance today and because it's my job apparently the same (laughs) films are still on the board Uh, I think they're always gonna I mean I think the real question now is not so much when they show up or or how frequently they show up I think the real question now is when they disappear like are these going to be the same films that we see until 2009 or are they going to like change films between seasons what I really need to do is actually I say this every episode and I still haven't done it (laughs) maybe for our season two recap I will go into a speed run (laughs) 
of all of the episodes and see if it's the exact same images on each episode. Maybe Patreon.com slash the tone podcast if you want to hear that whole thing. For more yeah, high quality I, content like that. I'm going to have to get paid to, to speed watch all, of, all 22 episodes and see about these films. <laughs> Y'all got to make it worth my while. After that, we go over to uh, Benton. He is with a, a gentleman named Dr. Bradley, who is on the ethics committee. So about the letter that Benton said. And uh, Dr. Bradley questions why it took Benton almost three months after leaving the study to send the letter. And it turns out that the claims that Benton uh, sort of, the things that Benton took issue with uh, were added in an addendum to the published article. So, and Benton asked whether it was before or after he sent the letter to the ethics committee and uh, Dr. Bradley can't, can't say for certain, um, but something dumb is happening behind the scenes you wrote nepotism what do you um just like that it's nepotism might have been the wrong word but just that it's protection of um protection of usage and how even the ethics committee is like no it's fine he covered his ass like that they're the old boys club mentality yeah yeah even they're covering for him nepotism might have been the wrong word but just that sense of favoritism and elitism yeah okay I was a little confused by that. I was like, is Dr. Bradley related to Vucelich? <laughs> yeah, no, or? it was the wrong word. I was I was going quick. All good. So, elitism. What happens next, Lauren? So, what happens next? We go back. Mark is with Loretta, and she is very dehydrated, which is why she was falling over and not great. Um, she says it's because she couldn't keep anything down due to her chemotherapy. And Mark's like, oh, you didn't. You didn't get, oh my god, why can't I think of the Compazine. answer? Compazine. Yeah, he was like, oh, your your doctor didn't give you Compazine? She was like, no, I didn't know I could ask for it. She was like, and I tried calling, but he's always so busy that I couldn't get, get any of it. And then her oncologist is also super shitty because he isn't giving her the anti-nausea meds, and he's also not paying attention to the fact that she has radiation burns. Ugh. Or just taking care of her at all, really. Like, it's, she kind of makes it sound like she she's just kind of, it's a hit it and quit it kind of operation up in the oncology department with this guy. He's not really focusing too much on any patients. And uh, after that, Carrie, we are in the doctor's lounge. Carrie is sort of trying to push Susan to teach the students about her case from that day. Do we, I forget, which one is it? I think it was probably the pregnant woman because that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, that was the more complex one. That was a more complex one, yeah. But Susan's kind of brushing her off, sort of ignoring her, and Susan finds a pacifier in the jacket sweater thing that she puts on as they're talking, and has another one of those weird flashback things. This is the third one so far, third I think. or fourth, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then snaps back when uh, Mark starts talking, asks what she thinks, and all she can respond is, "Oh, I got patience. I gotta get back to work." So not really caring about Carrie's demands yeah so how are we feeling about these weird baby flashbacks so i hate them see i like them i think they're my favorite part of the whole episode i think because they they spend the whole time building up your expectations that it's this big traumatic awful thing and it is but not in the way you're expecting i feel i feel the same way about these the way i same i feel uh about the cortana flashbacks in halo 3 for all you gamers out there (laughs) a reference for two people (laughs) Yeah, plug your series now. Yeah. Hi, Jake. Um, It's basically, I feel like it, it, I I don't like the pacing. It rips you out of the main story. Exactly. It rips you out of what's going on in the main story. It feels just kind of jarring and unnecessary. And like, the the fact that they do it so many times this episode is really what's, really why I don't like it. I think why I like it 
is because again they've it's the misdirect because the way it is presented is in such a traumatic and frantic way and that she's searching and she's talking to little Susie like sort of as she's doing it based off of everything that like we've had up to this point my reading of it as I was watching it was that little Susie had been taken like either by force or by what like like Chloe had just like taken matters into her own hands basically and that that was that's the impression that you're given as the audience the whole episode until we get to the very end and you you get to see the actual sequence of events in real time and like just something about the the misdirection there like yeah they go back they maybe go back to the well one too many times with it but I think it's it, it was a interesting way to approach a scene and a moment that I think based on everything we've seen in the season up till now felt inevitable like the writers mm-hmm. knew or, or like the audience knows that the writers know that eventually we're gonna have to get to the point where Susan has to give up little Susie and you could do that in a very formulaic way and have it be this you know like car drives off and she's waving and crying and whatever or we can find a new way to approach it and I felt like this was a interesting attempt at trying to find a new way to approach it so that's what that was my read on it I think that's a very fair take but I also agree Lizzie that it can be a little jarring like the first time it happened I was like well this is a new thing for them to do it's it's six of one half a dozen of the other I'm kind of middling on it but back to the the episode at hand we have Doug and Carter are working on a peds patient it's a little boy who's got a fever just not feeling real well just you know your standard run-of-the-mill peds patient nothing too complex it looks like so, so think I I'm it's a part later on I'm not gonna spoil <laughs> it um and so Doug's like all right here's a good one go for it come present your findings to me when you're done sounds good bye and leaves Carter to do the history and the workup and everything. And then we find out Mark has not been able to get a hold of Loretta's oncologist. He asks Randy for the office location so he can go talk to the guy in person. Turns out that this guy's up on the seventh floor. So hmm, maybe Mark's going to go play the hero in a little bit. But right as that's going on, Jen shows up with a very cute new haircut. Oh, no. <laughs> and... I said the same thing. Uh, yeah, and... Mark's like, oh, Randy, this is Jen, my... And Jen goes, soon-to-be ex-wife. And then Randy goes, you have a great soon-to-be ex-husband. <laughs> Just fucking oh, Randy. Yeah. She's so great. I love her. Um, but then Jen goes, you know, I was he- I was down here to talk to my lawyer, and I paid him $250 for the hour, and I realized, you know, we've been making decisions together for 15 years. I just thought we could get together and cut to the chase i.e. this was costing me too much money so <laughs> let's so let's 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 hurry this shit up yeah let's talk like adults oh, i'm sure that'll go great yeah totally so we go from there back to shep and co at another uh, emergency call they are at a uh, pretty rundown property it's a, like an apartment building with a broken elevator so they have to run the gurney like up the stairs uh, two Asian men stop them. Um, one who speaks some English or, or speaks pretty good English. The other one who speaks kind of broken English. Um, but they're managed to get out that their brother has been shot. Uh, so he's the victim that they're going to work on. As they're coming up the stairs, the 
guy who speaks less English manages, he's very irate and manages to calls Carol a whore, uh, which causes Shep to absolutely lose his ever loving mind. Um, and like pins the guy up against the wall. And I think it has his like arm on his throat. Uh, so not great, but they do finally get up to the apartment And, and to Carol's credit. She's like, I'm fine. Like you don't need to protect me. Like you don't need, don't fight my battles for me. Like, but he is just, hothead cowboy shit like he's just determined to show what a big strong duty is so we get up to the apartment they find the the victim they start working on him the other guy the one the one ship hasn't choked yet uh is still kind of tweaking and shep is has every right to be annoyed with this guy because he is impeding their progress he is invading their space like he keeps getting in their way while they're trying to work on the guy who's been shot so he's got every right in the world to be annoyed with this guy and to politely and you know forcefully move him aside because the priority is the patient he does not do that though he shoves the guy as hard as he possibly can and he falls backwards onto a coffee table slamming his head it makes this awful thud when he hits it i thought he was dead like, I thought he killed the guy. Yeah, me too. But Thought it was a Breaking Bad moment. Yeah. But then Carol, Carol goes, she's good about it. She goes over and checks on him right away. He's out cold. He's unconscious, but alive. And Shep just coldly replies, good, maybe now I can work. So Jesus yeah. Christ, Shep. I think the dude, actually, when he falls, I think he, like, Shep shoves him, and then he, like, twirls and falls forward. Yes, and, you're like, right. And, slams his head. Yeah, his, like, his, his head goes into back. Him. Like, he, he hits it, like, chin first, and his yeah. head snaps back, which, to me, that was why I thought he was dead. Like, to me, it was like, right. oh, he broke his neck, like, 100%. So... yeah. It, it definitely reminded me of a very specific Breaking Bad sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor Ted. I, people may not have watched Breaking Bad yet either, but Lizzie's over here That's just a, spoiler queen. You know what? And okay, Breaking Bad's also like a, at least a 10-year-old show at this point. <laughs> so, Lizzie takes what? no prisoners when it comes to spoilers. Yeah. There, are, there are two kinds of people in this world. If you haven't watched it by now, it's been on Netflix for years. Come on, people. Get with the times. You have nothing better to do during pandemic. Catch up on your shows. Exactly. Also watch Better Call Saul. It's absolutely fantastic. Another side podcast. Exactly. She's over here shaming people for not watching Breaking Bad, but meanwhile, she hasn't watched The Wire either. I call bullshit. You know, just busy uh, busy making my YouTube series over at youtube.com slash the popular (sighs) court. It's a real thing now. There's a custom URL. They're damn right there is. I worked hard enough for it. Thanks to everyone who's been uh, watching those videos and subscribing. Really appreciate it. Me. (laughs) What happens next, Liz? Uh. Uh, What happens next is uh, we go back to Doug and Carter. Uh, Doug's doing wheelies in a wheelchair while they talk about uh, Carter's, about their uh, patient. And Carter's going to learn. So that's your diagnosis, that the kid has the flu. Viral syndrome. I prescribed fever control measures and fluids. Uh, he's got rash, conjunctivitis, swollen glands. How long has he had the fever? Uh, his mom said about a week. Fever of unknown origin for seven days. Did I miss something? What color is his tongue? Pink. Not strawberry? Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Did you notice his chapped lips? Yeah. All right, give him an aspirin and order an echocardiogram. Aspirin? I thought you'd never give aspirin to a child. Unless, of course, he's diagnosed with Kawasaki's. Kawasaki's. Um... Kawasaki's is a cluster of unremarkable symptoms that can lead to coronary aneurysm. 
Fever, chap lips, and strawberry tongue are the tip-offs. Admit the boy to the peas unit. Right away. Oh, look, Carter, you don't know everything. Boom. Turns out he did need that peds rotation, huh? How impressive is it, like that that George Clooney is actually doing the wheelies in the wheelchair in the wheelchair <laughs> yeah. there? I mean, he, there is basketball. precedent for it. He did it in season one when he played uh, basketball with Carter's butt. That's oh, that's true. right. That's very very true. Yes, I completely forgot about that. Thank you for the reminder. I also wonder if that's part of why Carter was so pissed about having to do the peds rotation with Doug. <laughs> if he's like, "Ugh, you fucked my girlfriend." Oh, that's right. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Loose threads <laughs> well, abound in this storyline. Well. Not his girlfriend anymore. That's true. No, he got still, dumped at the end of the last episode. Still, principal of the thing. He's like, I had your sloppy seconds, and now I have to fucking do a peds rotation with you. Anyway. <laughs> um, we hear Susan and Mark talking about the resident of the year decision, and they go, you know, certainly my choice, but we still don't know who it is. Who's it going to be? I don't care. Um, we're <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, is fucking the, is rude. This, is this even an award? Like, I I don't remember them talking yeah. about this in season one. I feel like this is a do we, yeah, purely do made we up even, thing. I don't know. Anyway, so we go back over to uh, Mr. Delanova, the drug OD, the accidental drug OD guy. Well, we do find out that it is in fact an accident. Um, he is doing better, but and the dosage was correct on the bottle, but he can't read the bottle because he can't see the bottle. So, I think he just can't read. Yeah, that's how they make it sound. Is that he never learned to read? I thought they made it sound. I thought they made it seem like he just needs glasses. No, it's it's. I think it's that he can't read because he can't read um, Susan's name tag either, and it's, it's like right in front yeah. of his face. Like which I th- I okay. So this is this is another little little tiny thing in this episode that I really liked because again, this whole episode I feel like is about expectations unmet expectations like because when you see this scene older gentleman comes in drug overdose accidental drug overdose dosage was on the bottle whatever like i thought dementia right your immediate thought is oh he's got alzheimer's or dementia or whatever and then they manage to like take those expectations and turn them on their head and be like no it's that he's illiterate like that is definitely not something that would have been in your top five choices for what this is. and that's part of why i think this whole episode is kind of sneaky good is that the whole thing is just about kind of subverting your expectations so yeah and because the other thing he says that led me to think that it was really he just never learned to read was we find out his wife always did his bills for him and now his daughter's doing them and susan's like well you know what does he like to read and his daughter's like oh he's really more of a tv guy and um, he's talking just to Susan one-on-one, and he says, you don't want your children to be ashamed of you. And that's why I thought it wouldn't necessarily be a glasses thing, but a, I haven't learned to do it thing. Because he was like, I worked hard to give my daughter a better life. It just makes it sound very much like a tree grows in Brooklyn situation. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but he asked Susan, you have children, right? And then another flashback. This is the yeah. only. This is the only one I don't buy. Or, or it's not that I don't buy it, but that it's, it's like one too many times. Like they went to the mm-hmm. well one too many times. Like this one has nothing to do with little Susie. There's no pacifier. There's no picture of her. Like there's yeah. nothing. It's just I mentioned a child. <gasps> right. Little Susie. Yeah. A little bit of a stretch with this one. So then we go from there out to the front where uh, Doug is trying to get. I don't know if we mentioned already. He has lunch plans with Karen and it, they're supposed to meet at Doc Magoo's across the street. So Doug is trying to get a out. A real diner. A real diner with meatloaf and ketchup on the table. So Doug's trying to get out the door to get to lunch. He's already late. Uh, he tells Carter, page me if you need me. And 
Carter, if you're wondering, you do still need me. So, you know, <laughs> Carter gets told about himself a little bit there. But just before Doug can get out the door, another trauma comes rolling in. Shep still having a regular one. Uh, <laughs> says that this kid's Swiss cheese. It's a gunshot wound kid, 14 years old. This is the Asian kid. From- yeah, this is the Asian kid from uh, from earlier. So as they're rolling into trauma one and they're working this kid up, Karen does show up, uh, hears that Ross is in trauma one. Uh, so she walks over there to see for herself. Um, they're working on, they, they do finally get the kid stabilized and get him up to the OR. And as they're leaving, Doug encounters Karen and is like, sorry, I you know got caught up. Like, I'll be over there in five minutes or whatever. So she leaves. They're going to catch up in just a second. But then we do also find out that in that scene that Riley totally kind of narks on Shep in front of everyone that he overstepped his boundaries with the head wound kid, the the, the guy that he shoved into the table. Um, and honestly, good for Riley. Like, he did the right thing. Like, it would have been so easy and so sort of like talking about that old boys club thing from earlier. Like, it's a particularly pervasive in emergency services police firefighters like there's definitely a old boys club mentality protect you know circle the wagons and protect protect your your boys kind of thing and the brotherhood comes first right and so he he steps up and is like no that was bullshit like you you were out of control you did wrong so good for riley there but we cut straight from that to uh ross talking to karen they're walking out uh on the riverfront and she's like, ah, you know, I kind of lost my appetite watching that. I don't, I think I'm good. Um, and But she does offhand, before we leave the scene, she does offhandly mention that uh, she's worried that she has not heard from Ray. And as soon as she said that, I immediately remembered where this storyline goes. So, yeah. I don't. We'll get there. Don't spoil it for me, Lizzie. I won't, because I don't remember either. I'll just spoil Breaking Bad for everyone. <laughs> uh, so then from there, we go up to our uh go to our last audio clip of the episode kind of an audio light light up one this time around lots of more like visual stuff going on versus like necessary super excellent dialogue uh but mark goes up to the oncology office to have uh words with the oncologist boy did i pick the wrong specialty and what's that emergency medicine damn radiation oncologist work a few hours a day and then they lock their doors at 10 to 5. those radiation oncologists sound pretty smart you're Dr. Howard, aren't you? You're Mark Rain? I saw your name on the call sheet. I didn't have time to get back to you. Uh, I was calling about a patient of yours, Loretta Sweet. She's down in the ER. She's hypovolemic with cystitis. Yeah, that happens. ER sounds like the right place for her. She seemed unprepared for the side effects. If she complains at her next visit, I'll prescribe composite. She tried to bring up a few things. I think she feels a little overwhelmed and confused. <laughs> Don't they all? Maybe that should tell you something about your success at keeping your patients informed. I give my patients plenty of information. She also has radiation burns. This a relative of yours? Friend of the family. You catch me during office hours. I'll review her chart. This guy sucks. Ooh. He'll review her chart. What a dick. Yeah. I hate his haircut, too. I just hate him. He's everything that's wrong with the system for underserved people. Sigh. Just... Ugh, I love how Mark's just like, friend of the family. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, but from there, we have Carter 
scolding Benton for not answering a page. And he's like, we paged you twice. Where have you been? What, you know, like, come on, we got to get to this trauma. This is really important. And then it turns out, surprise, uh, Benton's resident of the year. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Again, do we care? Yeah, like everybody's in there. They all yell surprise. There's like themed cookies and... They all just think he's it's a cool excuse to party. Yeah, they're drinking sparkling cider, not al- non-alcoholic. Not pulling a carter. And then Susan just keeps on agreeing to see patients instead of going home. Like, she's like, oh, I'll take this one. Just, you know, doesn't want to go home yet. And then Hicks is talking to Benton and is like, you know, congratulations. Would you like to join me for XYZ surgery? And Benton's like, yeah, I guess I'll cash in on my 15 minutes and come up and join you. Were you the one who nominated me? And it turns out Vucelich nominated him. Hmm. What are we covering his ass? Probably. Is that yeah? So that that actually got brought up in the Facebook group today. Like, is it? Do we think that that's a a bribe or or a hey, I I did something nice for you, you do something nice for me kind of thing? Or is it? I, does he genuinely think he deserves it? I think he saw Benton's potential and how hard Benton worked and wanted to pat himself on the back for giving the nomination even though like oh you know i disagreed with this young man and we had professional differences and he couldn't be in my study but that's no reason i can't give him a leg up here on his credentials <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. that's my view switch voice but do you get what i mean where it was more to make himself feel better about yeah. kicking Benton off the study yeah i see that also your voice is not douchey enough <laughs> yeah that's fine can't win them all and so, we've come to this. Ugh. Hope everyone liked Harper. This makes me so mad. This this is her last moment, and it, and it it's literally is a moment. It's, it's a yeah. It's it's a moment. Carter, yeah, just a very quick cut over to Carter and Harper, and Carter says, "Oh, he's gonna." I'm, Carter says he's gonna miss Harper, and she says, "Oh yeah, you should," and shoves him, and then she's gone forever. Boo. She deserves so much better. She really does deserve so much better. It's this whole episode sucks for that reason. Like, yeah, it's it's the absolutely in my mind the most frustrating aspect of this episode is how insanely diminished Harper is. So, spoilers for a future interview. Like, we did get a little bit of inside information from the actress here, Christina Lee, who explained that you know there was. She had an opportunity that came up that forced her to make a decision very quickly. And so she had to leave the show, you know, to go take this other opportunity. And that might have played a part in why her exit here is so abrupt. And, you know, maybe for all we know, maybe that opportunity and that whole situation played out in the time between when the last episode was produced and this one. But for my money or for my say like my own sanity and my own like wrapping my mind around how such a a character that we've really I think has been one of our favorites this season oh easily just gets like completely short shafted here like if it was if this was what they were gonna do all along just let her go after she dumps Carter like make it so that she just never comes back and that's a much more satisfying ending and a much more you know I wouldn't have been happy about it but I wouldn't have felt as like just let down by the character's ending as I am here. Cause this sucks. This really sucks. She's on screen for maybe a minute total this whole episode. 
And we never see their reconciliation. She went from calling him a weasel and a shitbag yes. last time to, oh, I'm going to miss you while you should. Uh-huh, punk. Yeah. <laughs> like It is. You're right. There's a whole part of that arc that's just missing. And it really sucks because she never comes back. She's never mentioned again. She's never, you know, and I get it. Like, th- th- there's probably a dozen characters just like Harper throughout the course of the series. In I don't mean, like, characterization-wise, but I mean in terms of they're there for a while, they do a thing, and then they're gone. And that's great, and that's fine. You always need characters like that. But, like, this is a character who I think deserved a little bit more, or at least deserved to go out on her own terms. And this was this ain't it chief like it just really ain't like this sucks this puts such a sour note for me on the whole harper arc because she was a character who i've i've gone on record as before as saying that i did not fully appreciate when i watched the show the first time around and i've really come to appreciate her as a character this time and to see that she leaves with such a like wet fart is just like not great and it really sucks yeah she ended up being a really good example of an outspoken young professional Mm -hmm. for women i think and just like she did a great job standing up for herself when the power structure might not necessarily agree with how things wanted to be done so i i really have come to appreciate her character from that perspective so you mean after all that to see her exit be handled with all the grace of a cheerleader twirling her hair next to the bleachers punching the the quarterback in the shoulder it's so infuriating it's so infuriating because she spends so much time being a badass and then at the very last minute she's reduced to just like giving carter a playful shove on the shoulder before she just like gets snapped into dust and it's like if that had been Maybe four episodes ago, that could have been how she went out when they were still on good terms. Right. Yeah. But. It's it's just so unsatisfying. And and you know, like we said, we we've we've heard we've been given some larger context that helps to explain it a little bit. So maybe it's not just the writer's fault. Maybe there was some extenuating circumstances that necessitated such an abrupt exit for her. So I get that those I'm things actually- happen. I'm actually thinking that interview will be just about available on the Patreon by the time. It, yeah, if it isn't already, it will be out very soon and you'll get the full story straight from her. So she can tell it much yeah. better than, than we can. But just suffice to say that nobody was happy with Harper's exit. She wasn't happy with it. They weren't happy with it. We aren't obviously happy with it. And it's just a real bummer because she deserved better. Yeah. And we highly encourage you to go over to patreon.com slash the tone podcast to get that interview and each of our next coming up interviews, uh, which I think we have enough, they're going to go into at least 2021. Yeah. Yep. So we have a stable. Yeah. So plenty of opportunities to hear our cast and crew interviews early. Uh, we're patreon.com slash the tone podcast. But otherwise, we w- Harper's interview will be September's. So it'll be out the second Sunday of September for everyone. But going back to ridiculousness, what is the music they are playing during this quote-unquote party? I don't even remember it. I was so mad about the it Harper was, thing. I was like, it was, yeah, it was weird. It was right up there with like the slow jam R&B soulful stuff that they've done before. It wasn't that type, <laughs> but it was that same bullshit. They're just burning off all the weird stock music so they don't... Like, yeah, just get... We got to use it, so just find a reason. So then we go from there to... We, we cut... So... As they're, they're still at the party, and uh, Carol pulls Shep into the uh, other trauma room because he's they kind of like meet eyes across the room, and he's being a sad boy and whatever. So she pulls him into the other trauma room and is like, what's your problem? What's the deal? And he's bitching about how Riley has put in an incident report 
against him because of uh, what happened on the call earlier in the episode. And she's like still weirdly sympathetic to him about it, I guess, just because she feels like she has to be. But you, I feel like you can also see the cracks in the dam forming here where she's like, mm, I don't think I like this guy anymore. I don't think I can help him. He's a him. baby. Yeah. He's a little bit too far gone. Not going great for Ship. And then from there, we have Mark and Jen discussing custody and the other divorce stipulations. And they're like, oh, let's split a piece of pie. Rhubarb okay? And the whole time, Jen is totally giving him, like, sexy eyes. Yeah, I was going to say, pie. Is, is that what the kids are calling it these days? Splitting a piece of pie? <laughs> yeah. One, one slice, two forks. Rhubarb. <laughs> Please don't say rhubarb, rhubarb like that ever again. <laughs> and yet she just did. After that upsetting pronunciation of rhubarb, uh, we go back over Susan's to Susan's patient. Susan's patient said uh, he cut off his pinky making a sandwich, but that doesn't line up with the fact that the guy is right-handed. So hmm. and it's his right pinky. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And it's totally the blind wo- woman's victim from earlier. And Susan is like, oh, yeah, we can probably uh, make this one fit and pulls the the finger that the woman gave her earlier out of her pocket. And just they do that just after restraining him. Yeah, like she's getting him into soft restraints as they're examining him. And she's like, oh, yeah, this one will fit. Pulls it out. And he's like, oh, shit. No, you can't do this. And then Susan walks out. And as Susan and Halei are walking out, um, two cops come in. Yeah. And Susan was like, that was worth it. <laughs> It's cute. And then, oh no, Mark and Jen slept together. It just won't end. I wanted to yell. I wanted to yell after this happened. I was <laughs> yeah. like, God fucking God. Yeah. So it, it goes to a shot of them in bed together. And Jen says, what am I going to tell Craig? And Mark just responds, well, you've handled that one before. Oof. Good clap back. I got to say. Yep. And then Jen's like, oh, is that what this was? Was this just revenge? Was this just you being mad at me? <laughs> and Mark's like, no, it was just a bad decision. As much as I hate your view, Solich, I love your Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to amuse. But yeah, so they just are laying there wide-eyed and hating themselves. And then we go over to Doug and Karen walking into a jazz bar. And she drags him out to dance. And he's like, I don't want to. And she's like, no, come on, it'll be fun. And so... They're dancing and having a good time, and she is just all over him, and what is her deal? Her just... deal is that George Clooney is a sex machine, and she wants to put a quarter in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I please send that to Aaron before this episode? Because my sister needs to hear that. Um, I almost couldn't say it with a straight face. <laughs> George Clooney is a sex machine, and she wants to put a quarter in. All right, sorry, go ahead. That's all I got. They're ju- they're just a weird couple. I don't like it. I want this to be over. So after that, uh, Susan has finally gone home to an empty apartment. And why the fuck is her window open when she just got home? Like, there's no screen on that window either. Hey, man, it's it's nine. It's the 90s in the big city. You can do whatever you want. I need to tell you something. I mean, you still don't get spiders and other <laughs> flies and mosquitoes because it's still because it's coming up on summertime or I don't know. I need to say something here. Okay. When when she was staring out her open ass window when she got home to her empty apartment, 
for a minute I was like, oh my god, did she murder little Susie? Like I completely <laughs> forgot. <laughs> like I, I had a moment of like, okay, I don't remember how this how this ends. I was like, did she just be like, if if I can't have you, no one can have you, and chuck oh, baby Susie out the window? Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's how dark my mind went. And then it goes to the flashback of what actually happened. Yeah. So we do finally get the full context of the flashback she's been having throughout the whole episode. You know, she's snuggling with little Susie. She takes her down to waiting Chloe and Joe. They are taking her away on their long, long trip, presumably moving to uh, Phoenix. As they're loading her into the car, um, they can't find her stuffed bear. And Susie's little Susie's very upset about it. She's crying. We can still hear it. Mm. So then that leads us into the flashback that we've been seeing the whole episode. Mr. B. Mr. B. Yes, the bear. So she. So the the whole episode again. It's kind of a subversion of the expectations because you can hear little Susie crying in the background, but you can't see her. And you see Susan in her dark, empty apartment, frantically searching, which to me reads as little Susie has been taken. And yeah, so that that was why I thought that that was so well done was because it was subverting those expectations because it's not that she was taken in the literal sense, but she does have to finally give her up and it's very traumatic and very upsetting for her. She's running around trying to find this bear. Turns out that the bear was in the car the whole time they find it. So she runs back downstairs to say goodbye. She says her goodbyes to little Susie. Then her and Chloe have like a final interaction. It looks like they're going to hug. I don't even think they say much to each other. If they do, it's they just... They don't a, say anything. Yeah, it's, it's very minimal. They they look like they're going to hug, but then they don't. And so she steps into the car, and they drive off, and that is it. And that is actually the last appearance of Chloe for a full six years. We will not see Chloe... Oh, thank God. We will not see Chloe again until 2002, which I'm presuming is when um, we get our crossover episodes with Third Watch. So we're and I think that's her last appearance. So we're basically done with Chloe. Like we will get one more throwaway appearance of her six years from now, and then she's gone. I could have sworn we had her longer than two seasons. No, that's about what I thought. I was also definitely thinking she wouldn't. Like I thought it was much closer to Susan's leaving is when we got rid of Chloe, but mm. I guess not. I also was really concerned when Susan was upstairs looking for Mister B that we were just going to hear little Susie's crying stop in a car engine mm. and that they were just going to leave gonna without, leave. like they were going to be like, this isn't worth it. She'll be fine and just leave. Yeah. Ugh. what a just sad. I mean, it, again, it's, it's an ending. I think we all knew was coming. Even if it was, even the first time I was watching the show, I think we all knew this was the ultimate resolution to this. Like she wasn't going to get to have the happily ever after with little Susie and, it's very sad, but I, I do think it's well handled. I like this episode. I like it because I think yeah. it's sneaky good. I think it I think it doesn't do any of the things you expect it to do, and I like it for that reason. I think it's a solid B plus. I give it a C. But the the baby flashbacks really bothered you. Yeah, and I don't know. Just the whole thing just felt like really weirdly paced as well. The, I don't know. The only thing I will take away is Harper. Everything else was f- at least yeah. fine, but the Harper stuff did make me mad. Yeah, everything else felt like kind of throwaway. I think it was smoothly paced, and I can say that I judge how the pacing goes by how easy it is for me to keep track with my notes. It's terrible, but no, that's like, actually probably a good a way smooth... to do it, honestly. Like, like this was a smoothly paced. I didn't have to pause too much to like catch whatever the hell just happened, or like 
get my brain together because sometimes that'll happen where I'm like, hold on, we have to pause so I can digest what the hell I just saw. This was very straight to the point. It was a solid, it was still a filler episode, but it got the Chloe stuff resolved. Harper's gone. It's getting us ready for the end of the season. It's winding us down. I guess I just don't like what happens in the episode. So that's why I don't like it as much. Like the performances were were good as always, you know, with what they had. But yeah, I just didn't like a lot of the storyline choices that were made and a lot of the writing decisions that were made. It definitely, I, I, again, I would love to know more from the writer's perspective. I would love to know how much of what ended up in the final cut of this episode got dumped in their lap at the last minute. Because it does feel like with certain things that they are just trying to do like writing triage and just trying to like fix it as best they can, but not being able to do it to the degree that they would like, you know, like particularly with Harper is the most glaring example of it where you can tell that they've, they had to do that in a hurry. And I would love to know what their original plan was for how they were going to either, either how they were going to wrap that character up you know, and, and give her the send off she deserved, or if they were going to keep her around, because I suppose that was always a possibility too, that they could have found something for her to do outside of being in a relationship with Carter. Because again, we don't, we just don't know how that would have turned out. All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, this show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash the tone podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes. Ooh, season two is because it's coming up soon. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, also, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and in two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment as well as monthly movie commentaries where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SettingTheTonePodcast. And we are at SettingTheTonePodcast on Instagram. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at Dan.U, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me retweeting all the promotions about your YouTube videos <laughs> on my personal Twitter at Lobob92345. And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at RandomGamer, that's G-A-M-3-R, uh, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of uh, Mass Effect Andromeda with new episodes every Friday, as well as doing a co-op of uh, the Halo Master Chief collection. Gang, I heard a snippet of it today. It's glorious. Yeah. I'll be honest, <laughs> I have to sit in our room while they're recording, so it's as new to me as it is to you. I laughed my ass off. It's so worth checking out for some giggles. Yeah, Jake and I, Jake and I are definitely uh, reliving our high school memories a lot on 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 those episodes so those first couple should be out by the time this episode of the podcast is out so hopefully you're enjoying those uh yeah youtube.com slash the popular court and thanks again everyone very much for listening please join us again next time for the penultimate episode of season two and have a great week